I remember. Um, oops, let's take a quick break. I gotta annotate whatever that was. Did you sneeze or what was that? Yeah, I just sneezed. Okay. <laughs> I was like, am I hearing things or <clears throat> no big? Um, just get a timestamp. <clears throat> Clear my throat. I guess this is like the benefit of doing the live stream because people are going to still hear this, but uh, it won't make the the cut version. But um, resuming in three. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, I am joined once again by Drew. Gio, Drew, what's up, man? Doing good. How are you? Not too bad. So where whereabouts are you? We're, we're kind of talking offline. You're in Florida now, right? Yes. So um, just a quick thing. So I'm now my girlfriend, Emily, who just started playing dodgeball. Um, she's a travel nurse now. So after this year of teaching, I'm going to be uh, traveling with her now. So every three months we'll be in a different state. So it'll be kind of cool. So hopefully we can get to all the regions and be able to just play in these tournaments whenever the virus uh, lifts or goes away or whatever it does. So here's the hoping, but I was actually with her in Virginia and I just flew back on Friday. So now I'm back in Florida and it's pretty crazy because like almost everything's open down here. Yeah. So I think I might've gotten ahead of myself on the, off chance people don't know who you are you want to just do like a real quick full name introduction and what teams you're both you're most known for yeah so i'm drew Giovinco. uh i was a co-captain for team awesome um we're not officially the team's not officially done but there's been a bunch of injuries and people retiring and stuff like that too but um i think i can i can say it now say with confidence now that a lot of people who come into the dodgeball scene now know who team awesome were uh, were or still is um, just from us playing for so long and meeting so many different teams and stuff. But um, yeah, so I played with them for feels like forever now. So <laughs> we're now the, we're now the older guys in the, in the dodgeball realm, which is kind of crazy. That's, it's really funny hearing you say that man uh, being an older guy myself, but um, I'm definitely gonna go there. So um Actually, so what is it like in Florida right now? Um, obviously, we're kind of referring to the COVID thing in case somebody's listening to this months from now or hopefully once it's all over. Is every, everything's back open now? It's kind of back to normal or? Yeah, so it's kind of crazy because this whole COVID thing is is wild and it's hugely, I guess it's like very controversial because there's a lot of people that are like, like half of the country's like, we need to open back up. And then the other half's like, no, we can't. So I see both sides. I'm one of those people, I'm, I'm pretty open-minded. So like I always try to take like both sides and like not really like make my own stance until like I really understand something. But um, it's weird because it's everything's pretty much open back in Florida. But then when I was in Virginia, it's still like you can go places, but you have to stay like, like for instance, if you go to get something to eat, if, if you're going to go eat there, you have to be outside. There's like no indoor dining or anything like that. In huh. Florida, you can do almost anything. Like the beaches are packed. Um, our community pool just opened back up in the gym too. So it's pretty wild. But um, it's just crazy too because we saw in the news just this past week, it said reports uh, COVID 
cases spike after Florida reopened. <laughs> but then there's another news article the same week that said it's been going down. So we're kind of like, uh, okay. <laughs> we're not sure who to believe, but uh, it's just crazy. It's madness. So far, it seems like things are going okay down here. But, I mean, you never know. You only see, like, what's around you. You don't see the full scale. Yeah, that's what... So it seems like it's all right, though. That's why we're like, I've been kind of injecting this question into every interview because it's like, my experience is obviously be different than yours versus everybody else's. So yeah. it's it's one of these things where I feel like we're going to look back, you know, five or six years from now and be like, that was, that was a weird time. Like, you know, I, it, this is almost going to sound weird, but like when people say, where were you during September 11th or where were you when we invaded Iraq? It's it's like, I feel like that's kind of the next big thing where like, where were you during COVID? So, um, yeah, hundred percent. It's like, there's like those little uh, like uh, top places in time that you always know you're at like for instance everybody knows where they're at when 9-11 happened and now everybody's gonna not necessarily know like the exact time when COVID happened but they'll remember the experience for, for the rest of their life obviously it's like when all sports shut down which is insane uh, yeah and then I think we're gonna hear the term we now live in a post-COVID world that's gonna yeah. be crazy to think about like I mean, it's without, without trying to get into another rabbit hole, I feel like that's gonna be like my, my hashtag, no rabbit holes going <laughs> forward, but we're going to, you know, in a post COVID world, maybe we're more sensitive to when people are sick. Like if you're sick, we've already proven you can telework. So just telework, people aren't burning sick days needlessly. They're actually being able to take care of themselves and hopefully we see a lot of positive things come from this, but, um, yeah, we'll see. We're right in it. And, um, usually, you know, you, you don't realize you're in the middle of something impactful to after the fact so we'll uh we'll look back to this i'm sure and just kind of wonder like well that was a defining moment in our generation or in our timeline or lifetimes but um yeah i agree i think it's gonna be i mean as terrible as this is as we move forward as as people i think we're going a lot from it obviously and it's and it's kind of crazy too with like even with like so i was teaching uh, this year and the year before but it's so crazy how like e-teaching is like it's obviously been super stressful for a lot of people but it can be done so it's like almost now like i see a, a lot of different jobs too where they're thinking okay when we get back to nine to fives maybe like during flu season or something they can maybe work at home like tuesday thursday and then work monday wednesday friday in the office or things like that so i've seen things like that out there but it's kind of cool how like they're starting to see okay maybe you can there's a lot more you can do on line that you necessarily don't have to go into the office just to get work done yeah definitely well um almost at the at the risk of having like a covid podcast i definitely want to kind of go and focus more on the the dodgeball aspect obviously and um it's funny because i violated this rule twice already so i think i'm just gonna not do it anymore or abide by it but um when i was telling brett um had when in the last episode i um I kind of would stick away or stay away from people that already appeared on a podcast. Um, so I was referencing um, the David Tate's podcast or the book of dodgeball um, from David Tate's and how, if you'd already been on a podcast or on an episode would kind of stay away from you. But then, you know, you, you reappeared a couple of episodes in the OG panel and more importantly, you were the first uh, guest for the dodgeball podcast with Brent and Steve. And um, yeah. I, I tried to, I tried to listen to that one 
a little bit before this and it is so cringeworthy, man. <laughs> like it's crazy how far, um, the, the podcast has come and, and me as an individual and my ability to, to interview. I just remember, I, I kind of hate to admit this, uh, but I'm going to, like, I was kind of tipsy when I interviewed you because I was just <laughs> like, awesome. yeah, cause I was just like, I don't know. I was, I was really nervous, but just trying to take like the edge off. And I just, I, I can hear myself. I'm like, first, first of all, I sound like I'm underwater. Thank God the audio quality <laughs> sounds much better. But, um, yeah, in, in, in lieu of all that, like, I just, let's just go ahead and, and start kind of from the beginning. Um, cause I'm, I'm not too worried about like recovering some of the things we're already talked about because first of all, that first episode was just, the interview was, was garbage. The stuff with me and Brad was awesome. And then with the OG panel, um, we kind of talked a little bit like they, like Justin touched a little bit about what you were doing, but he was also, you know, working with, with, uh, Steven Decker and Alfred Kwan. So we, we didn't really get a chance to like dive in like I like to do. So yeah. With, uh, with those couple of tangents out of the way now, um, so let's go back. So Team Awesome, obviously you're known for that. Uh, Team USA, you're known for that as well. Um, but let's, uh, what, what number are you? Let's kind of start there now. Uh, my jersey number is uh, number 55. That's why I, I love that number. Uh, it's a, such a stupid story why I love it, because I grew up watching ice hockey, and I was a huge Flyers fan because I'm was born and raised right outside of Philadelphia. So there's this one guy who played, and he was, like, such a douche on the ice. But I was like, I love how this guy plays. And uh, his name was Ben Eager, and he was number 55. So I was like, that's my number. Nice. Such a stupid story, but that's, I mean, it's the truth. I mean, some people get their number um, because that's all there is. Or some people like me just remember seeing the number eight and thinking ice cream sandwiches, and I don't know why that works, but... <laughs> Every, everybody's got their the reasons man so it's fun to it's fun to get into but um what what got you into dodgeball like do you remember your first dodgeball experience and and what was yeah. that like yeah i do um so me and matt growing up uh we played every sport possible you could play as an organized sport except for uh football we never played as a team sport because we we're pretty we we're pretty scrawny uh, when we were younger, but um, we were actually really good at baseball. But for me personally, uh, Matt was always all around good. But for me personally, I was always good in the field, um, and I could always throw like kind of hard. But batting, once they started throwing like curveballs and stuff like that, I couldn't hit. So I was like, all right, there's no way I'm like doing anything with baseball. But then one time, so we used to go to church uh, a lot uh, right outside of Philly. Uh, and it's called uh, First Presbyterian Church in Narsound. Um, but I, I just want to give them a shout out because they're the ones who got us started. We used to do this sports club on Saturdays. They're like, Hey, we're going to start doing a dodgeball league. And we're like, all right, that sounds fun. We remember playing. I mean, I think everybody remembers playing dodgeball, um, in school at some time. So we're like, Oh, we'll get a team together. So it was me, Matt, and then a bunch of our friends. And we started playing in that league and we would win every season. Um, uh, I think we didn't win one season. Out of all of them, we only lost one season, I should say. Um, but at that point, we were like, oh, we're pretty good at this. But we didn't think anything of it because we were like, all right, we're just in a random church's basement. So we started finding um, these, like, charity tournaments that were around in, like, different towns that are close by. So at this point, we're still in high school. So we're, we didn't really – I mean, we had, like, a minivan we were driving around. So we were like, can't go too far. But um, we found these charity tournaments. They're like cash prize, 250 bucks, 
200 bucks and for a high school kid that's a lot of money so we would play in those and we were winning those so we were like oh this is this is pretty cool and then one day matt just googled uh my twin brother people don't know uh twin brother matt who also plays on team awesome um he just googled professional dodgeball because he was like there's a pro league for everything and sure enough this was after the movie and uh obviously we saw the movie um well, we saw the NDL. When we saw the NDL, we're like, oh, this looks legit. We're, like, looking at the player profiles and all that stuff. And we emailed them, and they didn't get back to us for, like, a year. So after a year, though, they, they contacted us. It was some random guy. It wasn't Ed. I think it was the guy that was working with Ed. I think his name was, like, sort of with a J, I think. Uh, you might know better than me. James. Yeah. You remember that random guy that was – yeah, that's who it was. <laughs> that guy emailed us and was like, hey um, – uh, there's a satellite tournament near you guys in Mercer County, New Jersey, which was like an hour from us at the time. He was like, if you play there and you do good, we're going to invite you out to Vegas. So we're like, oh, this is our big chance. We thought it was like the real deal. And it was the real deal. But um, um, we didn't know what to expect at that point. So at this time, we're playing foam ball the whole time. We would always play in foam ball tournaments. We knew about rubber just from the movie, but we never actually experienced like playing with a 8.5 uh, rubber ball so we get all of the best kids we thought that played in our league i uh, got a team together we went out and the first mercer it was called mercer madness but it was um, a satellite tournament of ndl we played in that and we actually did really well that was the first time we met uh, mike caterino because he was on uh, banff at the time um the, and we were we we're always calling him we're like oh that's the boston pro team because uh, we saw them on uh website so we played them, and we beat them in the Stinger division, which was um, going back to the real OGs. I uh, remember this. <laughs> it was like four 8.5 uh, uh, rubber balls and then two Stinger balls. And the whole reason why we won is because we couldn't throw. When we first started, we couldn't throw the 8.5s. We could, but it was it was kind of pathetic. But the Stingers, we could throw. So we were like, all right, we're just going to strategize where when we get the Stingers, we're going to throw them. So we ended up beating them, but then we played against the, the Power Lords in the finals and, and with Justin Bosch and, and all those guys, and they they whooped us pretty good the first year. But after that, um, uh, Brett Backey was there. There's another guy that was there. Do you remember Twitch? Remember uh, way back when, the kid named Twitch? I forget his real name. On the, he on the was West there, Coast? And then um, uh, Mike Caterino was there, so he was like, they were like, yeah, you guys got to go to Vegas this year. So sure enough, long story short, we go to Vegas. And after the very first year, we get our butts whooped the first year we're out there. So that was a quick, I guess it wasn't so quick, but that was pretty much how we got started. <laughs> so from, and it's, it's, it's funny how a lot of people started from like church events, like when it yeah. comes to dodgeball, um, we, weren't associated with the church when we were kind of getting our start down in Tucson, but we had a, we rented from a church and um, kind of sparing my story. We, we had like a, we would play at a local college and we got kicked out. And then one of our players said, Hey, check out the the gym that my church has. Maybe you can rent that. And I was like, what kind of church has a gym? And I, I guess that's like a common thing. So um, I, I know Payan got to start that way, Eric Jones, uh, just kind of off the top of my head. But um, to go from a church gym to, I mean, 
you got pretty much like all the way out, like as high as you can go on, on the world stage. Like what's, what's that like? Just, did you ever think for a moment that that's how, how far you'd come? Honestly, I, there was no way. So when I first started, I thought I was just going to play until I graduated high school. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to go to college and then just maybe play a college sport. But everything changed once we went to the NDL because we started meeting all the amazing teams from all over the country. And we're like, this is lit. At that point, we're like, this is legit. We're going to do this every year. Even though we suck in the beginning, we're like, we're just going to keep coming out and playing because we, we really had a passion for it, even though in the beginning we weren't too good. Uh, actually, we weren't good at all. But um, just from practice and watching the best teams play, like Rise and Doom, we saw like strategy and like what, what we were supposed to do. When we first showed up to the NDL the first year, we didn't even bring knee pads. We were like, why are people wearing knee pads? And then we quickly realized, okay, you really need these things. So it was just a lot to learn the first couple of years. But I feel like just throwing ourselves in against the best teams and getting beat up was the best thing you could do because you learn quicker that way. If you're just playing teams that are like a little bit better than you, I feel like um, you're – your improvement is going to be slowed down. Yeah, you become but uh, like... to get to your point where you're saying is, uh, yes, but not to cut you off, but uh, to get from playing in a church's gym to playing on Team USA for, I think it was, I, I got nominated on the team five times, but the one time I couldn't go out, so I played four, I, I believe it was four times, but um, I just never imagined it. But um it's also cool though to see like for instance you said pine you guys um you yourself uh you guys all started in churches gyms too so it's kind of cool to see like your story that it's kind of similar to mine but it's so cool to see where you guys started and how you found your own way to where we all know each other now it's it's so cool like i, I feel like they should write a a book about this hopefully one day i mean there's, there's a lot of people producing content now and it's it's just a matter of time um I am kind of working on something similar, just like, because like you're saying, everybody has a really awesome story about dodgeball. And if I could just take like the high level page or two of a transcribed interview, like I would love to release that um, by the end of this year, uh, just because it's just so much out there. And um, also don't worry about cutting me off, man. If you, if it, if stuff's going, just go for it. Um, Cause this is pretty much like what I wanted to, to talk to you about is just, you know, your experience and, um, happy to go down any rabbit hole I could. Um, I've got a bang <laughs> by my side, so I've, I've got nothing but time, man. So don't even, don't even worry about it. But, um, I wanted to ask, uh, cause you mentioned baseball kind of helped you out, um, playing field, but one, one of the things I think people should associate you guys with, um, is your acrobatics. Like when I first saw you guys, I was like, what is going on? Like, how are they how, how can I do this? Um, did, did you guys have, have any like gymnastics background or like, how did that, how did you guys incorporate that into your, your play style? That's what's crazy is when we first started playing, um, we weren't even really like, we were kind of good at dodging, but we wouldn't do like anything acrobatic at first. Cause we were just, we would just solely rely on throwing. That was it. Cause we were always pretty accurate and had an above average throw. So we, we just always rely on that. And then just like normal dodges kind of, but we got to a point after the first two years of the NDL, we were like, we're never going to stand out because we're just okay at at certain things where we could get by as being like maybe above 
the average player, but we needed something to stand out. So like, it's, it's so weird. Cause we don't have any gymnast uh, background. My mom was a gymnast when she was younger, but she didn't do anything like crazy with it, but she has a, I guess we get her genes from it, but um, I'll never forget. Well, we also have a background like um, soccer. So we had endurance um, basketball. So agility and then baseball with throwing stuff. So we, we incorporate that into dodgeball, but, I think the reason why I started just doing crazy stuff with like reckless abandon is because I remember my dad would always, he was a big baseball player. And even when I was younger, he would play like adult ball. So funny story with my dad is he was pretty good. And he actually played against, uh, if you know, baseball, do you remember Jenny Moore, the pitcher? I, I do not. Um, Jen who or Gene? His name was uh, Jamie Moore. So he's an old guy. Cause uh, okay. obviously my, my dad's a pretty old dude too. But, um, so he played, he actually played against a couple MLB guys because uh, my dad was a pretty good ball player. But I just remember he would come home and he would have the most ridiculous bruises like all over his body. I'm like, are you so beat up? And he would just be like, I remember he always told us, he was like, if you're not injured, you didn't play hard enough. <laughs> so I always like had that mentality going in the dodgeball where I was like, okay, I need to like have like a bruised hip or be beat up from diving all over the ground and doing crazy stuff. And then the more sore I am the next day, the more I'm like, okay, I had a, I had a good tournament. So I always kept that with me. I always wanted to have people like watch our team and be like, these guys do crazy flips and stuff like that. So that was like our niche to like be known, I guess, in the dodgeball world. Cause before we were just, we were just a team just trying to make it, but we were like, we want to, we want to be something special. So I guess it kind of worked. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, Again, I, I'm because I think the first West Coast showing you guys had was 20, 2012. I think yeah, twenty twelve. It was like the the dodgeball nation ten uh, k. Does that sound familiar? That sound yeah, right? yeah. Um, uh, we brought out if, if you remember, it was like me, Matt, Mike Caterino, and then like some of the guys from the Power Lords, like uh, Lizzie Tapper, Mike uh, Huntsio, I think his last name is. And then we had um, uh, Stacy was on our team too. Yep. So it was like a kind of a put, put together team, and we didn't do the best, obviously, because at that point we're still trying to make a name for ourselves. But it was so cool to actually go to the West Coast and and like be like, all right, we're going against all these giant teams right now. And we weren't too too successful, but it was such a awesome learning experience uh, during that tournament. Yeah, I remember um, playing against you guys. I remember. It was either you or Matt. And I just like remember, okay, they're gonna do some really crazy acrobatic stuff. Just wait for them to land and then hit them. But I just remember like waiting, watching. Like there was this one time where I came at you and you just jumped. Like you just did like this insanely high like swan dive. And I was like, what is he doing? And I just like just froze. I was like, wow. And then you flipped over <laughs> and then you landed. That might have actually been Matt because he was like, he would always do like this swan thing where he would like throw his arms out like he was like chilling on a cross or something. Yeah, <laughs> and then so he would weird. always land like straight on his hip every single time. So I'm like, how do you not crack your hip? But yeah. if, it, if that's, if I'm describing like what you saw, that was 100% Matt. But I would, do, I would always do like the flips. I would never really land them, but they looked cool at the time. <laughs> Well, that was the thing. It's like I, I knew just just wait. He's gonna land eventually. And then when yeah. when Matt landed, I I think I got him. I, I honestly remember the just being in awe of the air that he got and the fact that he landed on the ground and got right back up like it was nothing. So whether I hit him or not, 
is irrelevant just because that, that's what you guys just really brought to the table. Plus, um, I think you guys came in a solid uniform. So, and this is like when, you know, dodgeball was for the most part on the West, or at least as I knew, like we, we knew that there was some activity going on in the East. Um, and the OG panel, you guys mentioned like dance party, Vietnam, um, mm-hmm. some of these other teams that, um, you know, we never knew if we were going to see them again. Cause at that point the NDL was just kind of not doing so hot. And so, um, seeing you guys come in and just knowing that there was plans for elite to expand and have other, other regions start to happen was, was really exciting. I always wondered if I'd see you guys again and, uh, yeah. who'd have thought you guys had been, you know, getting better and better with each, uh, tournament and now here you are. So, um, yeah, it was, it was cool to like, when we first start, we, honestly, when we first started, I felt like I just did not belong. I was like, man, like these teams are so good. And there were some teams that, like, you would beat in the NDL, like, when you would play. But anytime, like, right when we would start playing in the playoffs, I would just be like, man, man I do not – we do not belong here because there were some teams that were just so good. But I just remember thinking to myself, and me and Matt were always talking about it too, we were like, man, we can, we can get good. We just need to keep playing against these guys and start learning, like, their strategies. We'll eventually get good. So it was so cool to get from, like, being straight trash when we were playing to like getting the respect of for instance like when i first started seeing you play i was like man that guy's real good but to see like you guys start to see like all right they're actually a pretty good team now like it was so cool we knew we were doing something so that's why we kept at it yeah it was like a like a check-in you know it was like okay last time we faced him um no offense man but it was pretty easy then it was like okay a little bit harder (laughs) a little bit harder and i remember when we faced off against you guys uh, as Titan in 2016 in New Orleans. Um, it was different. And I remember Brett saying, do not take these guys lightly because I think you guys had just upset a team and we're just like, but it's awesome. And then we're like, no, no, no. Um, That's the awesome you were thinking of is like three years ago. You know, yeah. it, it's just, it's just cool to see that development, that progression. And also that a team had stuck together that long. Cause at that point I'd already been part of three teams already. So the, the, lineup that I had facing off against you guys in 2012 was way different than what I had going into 2016. And then I faced yeah. off against, uh, you guys, I think was it not this in city, but last in city. And you guys just like smoked us. And it, granted it was like a fun tournament, but still it was like, yeah, they're still getting better. This is awesome. It's just cool to watch for the teams that suck it out this long. Yeah. We appreciate it. Cause, and that's a lot of things I say to a lot of new teams now too. Cause like, I know how the new team, I mean, I'm sure you felt the same way when you first started too, but it might've been a little bit different with you guys as well, because I don't really know the the real, like the real start of like the West history. So you might got, I'm not sure how you guys started, but you always had like really good competition. We did on the East coast too, but it was different when we came out and played like the West coast guys. We were always like, we gotta beat the West coast guys. Cause just seeing the level of competition on your coast was just like, Oh my God, like it's insane. But, um, but that's why I always try to tell, like, the young teams that are up-and-coming teams. Like, for instance, there's a, a team that's uh, on the East Coast. They're called Bulls Nation. When they first started, they weren't that good. But I loved, like, some of their players were all about still playing. So I just kept going up to them. I was like, dude, you guys are going to get whooped, like, the first couple tournaments. But I guarantee you'll get better. And now they're, like, they're not a bad team. They're not the best team in the world, but they're, they hold their own. And it's so cool and they're only gonna get better too so i love seeing teams stick it out because it reminds me of like when we started to so it makes me proud when like i see them beat like a team that's like a legit team 
and not, and they're getting better and better. It's like, okay, I'll see you. So it's pretty cool. It is. And there's a lot to be said about like consistency, you know, like people might want to know like, Hey, what does it take to get better? Well, keep playing. Like it, it really can't be that easy of a concept, but it's hard to actually apply it. But for the teams that do and the players that do, um, you see the results, um, especially now more so than ever since competition is getting that much crazier each, uh, each, yeah, exactly. each season, each tournament. Um, it's kind of cool because I, I do have like the, the format, but then it's kind of like, you're not a stranger to me, but I, I don't want to be as regimented with this conversation. So I'm kind of just going to jump around. Um, cause there's just, there's just a lot to, to cover. And one of the things I wanted to ask though is, um, so like how, what was you getting into UDC like, and, and when did that happen for you guys? Um, so UDC was awesome because at that point we were still doing all the crazy flips and stuff like that. So we, and on top of that, uh, Mike Caterino actually hit us up. Mike Caterino's from Banff again. He's, he's a Boston guy, but he actually hit us up because we were pretty good friends at that point. And he was like, dude, I know you guys are like real, like agile, crazy players. He was like, would you want to team up with my team? There's this trampoline dodgeball tournament. And at the time, Sky Zone was nowhere near uh, like the Philadelphia area, but there was one in Boston. So we're like, dodgeball on trampolines? We're like, dude, that's awesome. That sounds awesome. So we'll, uh, we'll head on up. So me and Matt uh, drove up, took about a six-hour drive, um, stayed at uh, uh, one of Mike's buddies' house that played on the team, uh, stayed overnight, then played in the tournament the next day. We won the qualifier. Then after we won the qualifier, they're like, hey, you guys can actually go to uh, – I think at this time, I don't think it was Vegas yet where Sky's was the championships were held. I think it was in Torrance, but I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it was, though. And then, um, so we flew out. There was only, I forget how many teams were there the first year. We made the top eight, um, almost seemed to make the top eight there because our very first uh, uh, game we played, we lost to this team called the Turtle Squad, I think. It was just a bunch of guys in like green, like Ninja Turtle outfits. <laughs> they ended up beating us. So we were like, oh crap, we might not even make top eight. But then we won out the rest of the time and um, got to the top eight eventually lost to doom. Um, that experience was awesome because we're already an agile team. And then just to be able to go on trampolines and do all this crazy stuff. Uh, it was like a dream come true, but I loved how UDC kind of evolved. I loved how crazy it got the, what I loved so much about that tournament is how different it was. One year on trampolines, but then two, it kind of sucked that you didn't get that much playing time, but at the same time, it made it that much more, exciting because so much money was on the line and you just had to stay so mentally focused and make no mistakes if you made mistakes you're pretty much probably gonna lose out in the tournament so i think that's what i love so much about it, it was the most mentally exhausting tournament i think just because of that but i think elite tournaments are obviously exhausting just because your mind and body is just gone after a 12 or 13 hour day I feel like the elite term is just like take your soul. Like it, you just you need you need just time to just recover after after one nowadays. Yeah, it's crazy too because um, we'll go and play an elite tournament, and your body's just like almost on the verge of shutting down. And then right after, we're like, all right, well, let's just go get a bunch of drinks, which is probably the worst <laughs> thing you can possibly do after a tournament like that. But I'm I'm such a 
I guess not. A, I want to say, well, I guess a partier. So I'm like always after a tournament, I have to go grab some beers. Cause that's the best part about elite too is you go and you beat each other up with, with rubber balls for 12 hours, and then you go have a beer with the with uh, the opposing team and just have a great great night. So that's what I love most about elite. Yeah, it's it, it's really hard to say no to. I mean, because you get a chance to see people you know don't only see you know, once, two, three times a year, like how could you not go party and socialize? And especially after you just spent all day trying to, you know, rip each other apart. It's just, it's hard not to. And this is one of the, yeah, one of the many, many benefits of being part of the dodgeball community and uh, getting to just like, in, I don't know, like enhance your life with that. I mean, gosh, man, I've known you for several years now. And I remember after I talked to Tim Fullerton uh, a couple of seasons back, I was like, I've known this man for like 12 years. Like, this is insane. Like, under no other circumstance would I know this guy and would I be so involved in, in people's lives, even from a distance, you know, occasionally one, three, one or two tournaments here every every other month or so. But, um, yeah, it just speaks volumes to, to what we have um, when we decided to play dodgeball that one faithful day. Um, 100%. I, 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 you are preaching – like the same thing that I preach, like I love, and it doesn't matter. Like for the outside looking in, when, when I, pe- when I tell people I play dodgeball, like I'm not even like at first, like I thought it was like, all right, people are either going to think it's really cool or they're going to think it's really corny. Like I always had that mindset, but now like, I don't even care. Like I'll tell people, cause even if they think it's corny, it's like, you don't understand like the craziness that comes with dodgeball though. It's like, we legit have friends all over the country now. Whereas say someone who just plays maybe rec league sports or they don't even play sports, your, your friends are typically going to be everybody that lives in your town. And then maybe a couple of people that moved out of your town. We legit have a network all across the country. In fact, all across the world, depending on to certain countries that we've played against to a point where I've met so many people and gotten such deep relationships with people where it's like, Hey, if I'm going out to the West coast, there's probably five dudes there that'll be like, yeah, you can sleep on my couch for a week or something or a couple of days or whatever without hesitation. We do the same thing for anybody coming our way. So it's more than dodgeball to me. Um, it truly is like a dodgeball is family and just the massive parties we have too after elites are just so cool. Like when I tell my buddies that don't play dodgeball, I'm like we legit play for 12 hours and then we go in like a hundred deep into a bar and just take over and it's just so funny watching like the bartenders be like oh my god we are so not ready for this you just see the look <laughs> on their face the like oh feeling. no they're always great nights yeah I, I um i'm just replaying the highlights of uh of austin last year and just i mean everybody's experience was different and we all have just wild stories and i just remember um reeve being uh shirtless and disappearing and who knows if he ever came back and then um <laughs> Oh man, I think uh, somebody tried to pick me up. Um, I'm blanking right now, but I just remember like, and that's just like the smallest of, of of details. But again, those are the things that make dodgeball really hard to like turn your back on, not turn your back on, but walk away from. And uh, I definitely want to yeah, ask exactly. that. I definitely want to ask you, like what your uh, future looks like post dodgeball. But um, I do want to kind of go back because you you mentioned you know like most people, um, at least in the dodgeball, we've got friends all over the U.S. now, but some people maybe like yourself have like international friends and all that started what with 2015 team USA or was that your first, uh, international experience? Well, so the first time I actually uh, made team USA, I was shocked because 
at this point I was I was getting there. Like people like knew like I was a crazy Dodger, but I still like felt like I needed to like prove myself more. But uh, it was when Bill Bill Fair was running um, uh, the Team USA at the time, and it was send in a video and uh, your resume. So at that point, I was like, all right, I can come up with a pretty cool like highlight video because I'll just post like a bunch of me dodging over balls doing flips and stuff like that. But then my resume was like okay at the time, but it was like I don't think we won anything big at that point. So I remember sending it in, and he was like messaged me one day he was like hey uh uh you made the team and i was like so excited i had all this money saved up for a car but i told my parents about it and they're like uh yeah just use that money to to go to new because at the time is in new zealand that's right so he was like um our my parents have been super supportive of us since we've done this so they're like listen you'll get that money back to buy a car they're like just use that money book a flight to New Zealand. You're going to have the time of your life. So I was like, all right, cool. That's cool. And um, Matt didn't make the team at first, but uh, I was like, I don't want to go by myself. So I was like, I'll kind of pay your way as long as you pay me back. And he was like, all right, deal. So he came with me. Uh, we went out. That tournament was awesome, but it was so crazy. It was so different because uh, it was just a day. The whole um, world tournament was just one day. Um, I think at that time there was only eight teams. I could be wrong, but um, that was my best uh, um, showing at Worlds just because it was the team. I'll never forget the team because it was such a fun team to play on because it was a, there's a lot of players that at that point I didn't really know. So it was cool like meeting a lot of people from the West Coast. Like Alan was on the team. Uh, Tyler Greer was on the team. Um uh, key. Uh, so there's a bunch of guys that, um, I got to really know on that team that I really, even to this day, like are such great guys, but, um, it was one of those tournaments there too, where they would like, like I got to play corner a lot and that was like my time to shine. So uh, it was a lot of luck, uh, a lot of just being focused and doing well in one day, um, that got the, make me look good I guess but I won MVP that year for uh the team so right then I was like oh man I'm I think I'm gonna make next year so sure enough the year after that I think that one was 2014 uh we played in Hong Kong and um that's when like we started getting like real heavy hitters on on the team USA team and um that's when my role started to go towards the center more and I was more used as kind of as a distraction to get more balls because I was pretty at that time pretty good at dodging so um so we played in Hong Kong then 2015 was uh in Vegas when we won the first gold and then after that I actually got injured that's when I had surgery so I was out for a bit and then um the one in LA I made I made it as an alternate but I decided not to go and then this past year was the was the last time we played and then sure enough too so uh a lot of people know but this year even though i did get a gold medal i mean i, I honestly didn't really do anything i was injured so uh, i was just a really good cheerleader <laughs> pretty much <laughs> i bet like i'm sure you had more of a role than than that um just being you know a staple since you've been part of team usa for so long and 
it's it sucks that you probably had to sit out way more than you anticipated, especially because of an injury. But I, I'm sure you can't really measure like what the contribution was for for any sole player. Just between yeah. all the practices, the group chats, the motivation, the fact that as I've heard, like you guys would just hype each other up constantly and you, you just yeah. became part of like a, a brotherhood at that point. So you may not have had court time, um, so much, but the presence probably contributed more than, than you would think. So there's that. Yeah. And I appreciate you saying that. And, and one thing I do want to say about the team this year too, is, um, for me personally, obviously being injured and I thought I was good to go until I really started throwing. And it was just, it felt like I tore my labrum again. And I still don't know to this day if, if uh, I tore it because I actually haven't gotten it checked yet, which is terrible. But uh, that's just how I am as a person. But um, um, but yeah. So when I uh, when I got there, I was I try not to show it really, but I was like pretty depressed. Even though we're like in one of the most beautiful places on earth in Cancun, but I was just so not there, like mentally there. Even though I tried my best to be, just trying to play while playing injured was the most frustrating thing ever. But I do want to say about the team is um, I love all those guys. They're every single person that was on their team is just an amazing person. Um, not just an incredible dodgeball player, but truly are an amazing person just because of how they not only just uplifted me, but everybody else on the team though, too, there's no negativity. Um, I would go in if we were kind of killing another team and I would just kind of make a fool of myself for, for a little bit, but they were all like cheering me on the whole time. Um, I want to thank the coaches too. Um, uh, they, they gave me the opportunity to play even when I was injured too. So that I'll forever be grateful for. And it make and it makes me want to come back and still play and still compete. Even though at that point I was considering retiring cause I was like, man, this is, I just keep getting injured at this point. I'm getting old and slow. I'm starting to get flabby. So <laughs> I was like, maybe this is it for me. But uh, I think, especially with this virus too, gave me some time to heal. I think there's still a little bit left in the tank. So I think I'll give it another go. How old are you? So you're going to laugh. I'm only 31, but I feel like I'm Oh, get out of here. Yeah, you got plenty. <laughs> you got plenty of gas in the tank. Uh, yeah. just do, do the work. Um, do you listen to the, the Ball Out podcast by any chance? The Ball Out podcast? Yeah, with uh, Brett Hadwin and Miles Garner. No, I do not, but I think I should. I absolutely. I listen to your podcast, though. <laughs> I, I, hope, I would hope so. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I would definitely <laughs> I definitely give them a, a, a listen. I, I just listened to, I'm a little behind, um, the one where they interviewed Andrew Ketchum and uh, the, our, I want to say R, but his trainer, uh, Tyler Holmes, and we t- they talk about like, just how you have to put in the work to get better. And it's not even so much getting better as much as it is also just preservation. And some of the yeah. older players, I, I guess I can include you into this. Um, you know, we, <laughs> we have to fight for every minute we get. And when you start changing your lifestyle, like, like for example, what catch had to do to go from, you know, heavier catch him to what he is now. Uh, there's, I feel like there's still time. I mean, it's, you just have to, you know, eventually get your shoulder looked at. I kind of cringe when you said you hadn't looked into that yet. <laughs> yeah. So I would start there, but um, you'd be surprised. I mean, I'm not going to say I can compete like I used to or could have been, but I still can do a lot of the stuff I felt like I could have done, you know, 10 years ago because of this. So, um, yeah, get your shoulder checked, get your arm checked, and then uh, don't give up because I feel like you still got plenty of time. So, yeah. Yeah, that's my biggest thing too is like I've always like – 
physically I've always tried to stay in shape and I, I mean, I always go to the gym and I feel like I, I was in decent dodgeball shape, but I think my workouts need to be pertain, like need to be more dodgeball focused workouts instead of just overall just trying to stay in shape. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. I think that's a big thing and you can, and a big attest, big testament to that too is, uh, is catch him. If you want, if you look at catch him, like his transformation has been awesome. And, um, and he can attribute that to just him making better personal choices on top of, uh, gearing his workouts towards dodgeball though, too. And he's always been an, an amazing player, but now he's like, it's crazy to think that like, I feel like he's even better now. So it's, it's wild to think how good he is. Well, he made the choice to become a dodgeball athlete. And I feel like that's where you, you distinguish, I'm going to play really well on the recreational scene or no, I'm going to compete as best as I can. Because at that point, like any other sport that we want to take seriously, you kind of have to take it seriously yourself to the point where you are training and you're changing your lifestyle to be built around the dodgeball athlete, which we're still defining obviously, but, um, the ball at dodgeball podcast does a really good job breaking that down and bringing on people that can speak to that. And it's, it's really motivating to look to listen to because you're like, I still have a chance if I just do these things and, you know, yeah. Being that we've been, and I would say so too, another thing about um, this year's team USA too, I've never seen how, like I've never seen a team that focused and that determined to win. And just the amount of strategy that went into our team being so successful against each and every team we played against. And then even like, all the way down to the warm-ups, we'd always warm up. There was a certain amount of games everybody would sit. It was just so calculated that it was it was awesome to see because from the very first Team USA I was on to this one was night and day. It was crazy. I was like, man, I, I legit feel like I'm where, where I should be. This is the, the biggest tournament in dodgeball, so it sh- should feel this way, you know? Yeah, it's really cool listening to uh, Lucas and, and Brett talk about their experience uh, from the coach's aspect, um, getting you know building up to the to worlds and, and winning. And you're like, it's it's exactly what we want. We want dodgeball to be seen in a professional manner, so we have to treat it that way. And it's awesome to know that the people behind USA Dodgeball, the people behind Team USA, the players of Team USA are doing it. And it's it's just so so much easier to and it's like a breath of fresh air to rally behind that because yeah, you guys are taking it very professionally now, and it's. Um, it's just like, I feel like this is the true start of competitive dodgeball. Like we can't go back to 2012, 2013 and think, yeah, dodgeball wasn't going to get any more competitive than that. Like, no, it's, it's still exponentially growing. I agree. And then on top of that too, just the other countries too, just seeing how good the other countries got to where like before there's some other teams that we would play against. It was kind of like, not even trying to be mean, but like there's certain countries that we would play against that we're like, okay, we're probably going to win this game. But now when just from experiencing it this year, almost every single country was like, Holy smokes. Like they're so much better and they're, they're almost right there with us or they are right there with us that it was, it was cool to see the, it was the cream of the crop and it was just such an intense tournament. Um, I'm glad I got to experience it. And, um, and again, everything happens for a reason. I'm glad things worked out the way they worked out. Cause uh, we went, we ended up winning. So that's how it should have been. <laughs> did you, uh, did you guys do, 
I kind of want to go back to the 2015 championship. You guys did tattoos, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, in 2015, when we won, we were kind of joking about it in the chat and, uh, I forget who said it, but they're like, yeah, let's get tattoos. And then everybody's kind of just like, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll get tattoos. And then it, it went from like a joke to like, everybody was like, we're so down to get this tattoo. So more than half of the team didn't even have tattoos at the time, including me. I never had a tattoo, but I was like, I'm so down to do it. So it was one of the elites um, after uh, the world tournament. We all just met up one night. We went to, I think it was called the Bad Apple in Vegas. I could be wrong, but I think it was called the Bad Apple. All got tattoos um, on our wrists. And then um, that was cool. There was like, oh, we're brothers for life now. <laughs> so uh, then after this past year, um, just winning the gold, uh, a lot of the guys got <laughs> another tattoo. I was so going to ask you. I actually got my second one. <laughs> So what was the first tattoo of? It was, it was a number, right? It was a nine. So nine. it was a Roman numerals nine. Uh, it just represents the nine guys that were on the team that uh, that uh, won the gold. So that one obviously is real special. Uh, not only not only because it's my first one, um, having it with that with those guys who I'll consider my brothers for the rest of my life, but uh, also Chris Linsky was on that team too, and he's uh, one of my best friends in and out of dodgeball. So uh, it was cool to ex share that experience with him too. And then um, this year, obviously, watching Jeff become a – he kind of already was becoming a superstar, but just watching him just kill it in the finals, it was like a proud papa moment. It was it was so <laughs> cool. I think he's going to be better than uh, me, myself, and Matt. He probably is already better than myself and Matt. But I think – the whole body of work when everything is said and done. I think his resume is going to look a lot better than ours, but uh, it's cool to see. I'm super proud of him. And I love how he's created like a beast team already in the, in the East coast. So it's cool. It is, it is cool to watch. And then I remember um quick segue during the elite nationals um, last year, uh, Frankie, he he's, I, I have him on video too, just straight up saying East is going to take co-ed watch mark my words and sure enough uh east did and it's just going to back in the day when east was like uh oh, th these guys shouldn't be a big deal too now there are a lot of names and teams that are coming out of there that are just going to be very very competitive and, and tip the scales from the west coast i feel but uh what was what was the tattoo before i forget of, of this one of the 2019 championship this one so it's um it's like a 14 pillar thing it's hard to, to, to explain but uh it kind of looks like a like if you're playing beer pong, like the beer pong setup, so I dig it. Hmm. But uh, it's another simple, subtle uh, like tattoo. Symbol kind of thing. I actually got that one. On, everybody got it on like a different spot. Uh, I just put it on my ribs, and it was like a legit spur. Because I think I guess my biggest thing is like I've gone through my whole life to kind of just go with the flow, and it's been working out. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of just keep doing that, and. uh I didn't know where I was going to put it until I got to the tattoo parlor. And I was like, you know what? Let's put this bad boy on my ribs. And the guy was like, all right. <laughs> and it's all sudden done. That's funny. That's, I've been going for going with the flow this whole time, you know. It's been working out pretty well so far. So, I mean, I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Just on the dodgeball aspect. Um, yeah. Just looking at kind of reliving your, your journey. But um, 
One, one question I did want to stick to with this the questionnaire, the interview format is: uh, Do you have a pregame ritual? If you do, what is it? Um, I honestly don't. Every time I go to, it's weird because I don't. But every time I go to a tournament, I kind of do the same thing. Where my first thing is like, it's almost like I'm a dog chasing a frisbee. Where like I see so many people that I haven't seen in so long, so I'll just go up and like high five, hug, whatever, whatever. Start BSing with everybody, um, seeing how everybody is, um, and then I'll usually get distracted until Matt kind of riles me in. He's like, "Hey, we're about to start." Um, I'm always usually joking with people. I warm up for a little bit. Um, always put the tape on the fingers, obviously, and I'll always chug. A monster, and that's about it. <laughs> I love how I just talked about like your go with the flow mentality, and they're like, "What's your most rigid thing that you do before dodgeball?" So I guess I could have answered that one on my own before I asked that <laughs> question. Nah, you're good. So monster, huh? Well, to each their own. As I'm <laughs> that healthy stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, I like I'm like I'm going to talk. I'm on my my bang for the, you know, it's five o'clock, six, seven p.m. at night. So whatever, I can't <laughs> Are say. Are you drinking bang energy drink right now? No, I, I love it. It's. uh that's awesome. I'm addicted to these things. It's it's sad to say, but uh, do you have any particular songs or like, I won't say like a playlist, but do you have any songs that like amp you up for dodgeball or not really? Yeah, so I'm gonna make this public for everybody that does not know who this artist is, and I'm probably so annoying because uh, myself and Matt always talk about this guy on uh, social media. But uh, have you ever heard of NF, the rapper? I've not. You gotta check him out, man. He's so good. <laughs> They call him the new Eminem, but he doesn't curse. Uh, he raps about just real life issues and things like that. Like and actual just, things? I just think he's so amazing. Nice. But yeah, that's my go-to. What, uh, any particular songs? Um, Remember This, uh, Returns, and um, he's a he's a weird one because he's got, he's got a lot of like songs that are going to pop you up he's got a lot of songs that are like pretty emotional so they'll do the exact opposite and then he's got a lot of um he's got a what i love about him is he's got a bunch of different types of songs so it makes him stand out even more i feel like huh. where he's got normal uh like hip-hop beats but then he's also will rap to like music from lord of the rings so, like just insane like orchestral type background music so he's a i love him uh, no name's another good one, um, and uh, what's another one? The one he just came out with. Uh, Paid my dues is another good one. Nice. I'll have to check him out because I I do like um, rap songs that actually have a point because you can only hear about like boats and women and money and violence so many times. Yeah, exactly. Like occasionally, they're, exactly. They're... I hundred percent agree, and yeah. I love, especially like old school hip hop. I love. But it's kind of like a fork in the road now with um, the rap game where like you have still some really new guys that are coming out that are really, really good. But then he got like these mumble. I can't even explain it. It's just like, man, yeah. you can't. How, how do you enjoy it? You can't even understand what they're saying. You know what I mean? I I don't, I don't know if I understand what mumble rap is. I just I hear mumble rap like all those freaks with the weird face tattoos and multicolored nonsense. And I kind yeah. of painted a post malone in that category but then i watched um spider verse 
whatever that I forget the name. Uh, I think it's actually Into the Spider Verse, and I heard the, that movie so good, <laughs> right? And then the the song Sunflower uh, played. And I was like, I really like this song. And then when I found out that Post Malone was in, I was like, my ears have betrayed me. But yeah. I'm okay with I'll that. I'll tell you what, though, I won't even be a hater though, because like it's just I don't understand how people enjoy it. But I'm not gonna be a hater because if you're making money doing that, you do you do you. You know what I mean? Like you're you're more successful than me, so I can't say nothing. Exactly. That's a good point. And I just, uh, I'm an old man. I just like to shake my cane at things, but I don't understand. But uh, I do like Post Malone. I feel like he's actually really, really catchy. And I agree. I, I think I think he's pretty good. I, I like that he comes off as, as humble, too, because a lot of, and it's not even just in hip-hop, but just in general, uh, a lot of people that are pretty wealthy now come off as pretty, like, snobbish. Right. So it's cool to see someone that's as famous as him being pretty humble, at least from the interviews I've seen. Oh, but another band too, that I wanted to talk to you about too, is, um, uh, um, archetypes collide. Dude, I love them. Oh, you, you heard of them. <laughs> Dude, they're amazing. Nice. They're like one of my favorite bands. And I hit up Tyler about it too. Cause I was like, dude, your band's amazing. Cause I remember hearing one of his songs before and I was like, eh, it, the music sounds like the type of music I listen to, but the, there's like a lot of screaming in it. I call it screaming. But um, I gave it another go and I started listening to some of his songs. I was like, this band is incredible. <laughs> so I'm a huge, huge fan of theirs um, to a point where it's almost kind of annoying, but I don't care. I yeah. think their music's awesome. I love uh, I love White Noise and... Um... Yes. Oh, what's the other one? Um, I, we used it for our little This Week in American Dodgeball teaser, and I just got it, – It's I, this is going to sound really nerdy, but I just got so hyped for what we were doing because of these songs, uh, One More Night, and I was like, this is crazy. I, yeah, I know, One I More Night's great, and uh, Reminiscent Light, uh, I love too. I think that's such a good song. Yeah, they're, uh, I definitely want to use them for next season. Um, I got Tyler's permission a long time ago to use Archetypes Collide, but before he said yes, I'd found uh, some anime show. That I wanted to use to kind of troll people, but uh, definitely nice. going to use more than next year. And um, I don't know if this will make the the edit, but the edit. But um, I just saw that Deeks has entered the chat in Twitch, and he just says in a very timely manner, "If for Post Malone, if he cancels his tour, he'd be postponed Malone." And uh, <laughs> dang it, <laughs> this might be the best idea I've ever had, or this might be the worst. But uh, yeah, that's uh, shout out to Deeks for actually making it during real time live recording of this episode. So that's awesome. Had to, had to do some, just talked about Malone, but um, I guess this is a great chance, uh, great opportunity to transition into some of the crowdsource questions that I got um, kind of posted kind of late yesterday, but um, this isn't really, well, I'll just read this one. So Markel Stokes, he says, uh, not a question, but more of a statement. I want to thank you and your bro. I model my game after you guys. So thank you for what team Austin meant to the support of dodgeball Thank you, and go Eagles, lol, fly, Eagles, fly. So I don't really care about that last part, <laughs> but uh, I thought that was really cool um, of Markel yeah. to say that. And that's the thing, too. Like, you don't you don't know what type of impact you put on people until you hear it from the people. So to hear that from him was, like, such, such a cool honor to have. Um, and then just recently, um, Jeremy Vizzle, um he did a uh, compliment thing on Facebook where he was like, write your name and I'll write something nice about you. And the things he said about me too, were just like, it makes you appreciate, okay, 
people are perceiving you in a positive light. And that's something I always wanted. Sure. I'm not the perfect person. I've done a lot of stupid things in my life, but um, to have people perceive you in such a positive way and to see how people almost look up to you in the dodgeball community. That's all I wanted to get to. So uh, to Markel, like I, like I truly appreciate you. I think that's the coolest thing for you to such kind words to say that. And, um, and he's a beast too, man. I see him play and, and he puts on a show and um, I'm glad um, uh, uh, we could be fr- become friends, um, get to know him personally. And uh, I hope to see him soon too. He's such a good dude. And uh, the same with, um, with Bizzle though too, because uh, we've only had a couple encounters together, but he, he certainly is the name. He's so cool. I, I cannot think of a, at least I'll tell my head, a more, a more supportive, awesome guy than Markel. Um, being able to run the ball State booth, I've, I've actually been able to interact with him a lot more and hang out with him. Um, yeah. The guy just gives so much and he asks for nothing in return. It's the guy's incredible. Um, and it's with that I say, I'm going to flip the script now. The other shoe's going to drop. Uh, I hate you, Markel, because what you said earlier <laughs> afterwards with how bad does, do the Cowboys suck, um, <laughs> you don't know what you've done. Like, I, I've i been pretty capable of doing some some good pranks, and I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm waiting to see what I'm going to come up with, but it's going to be good. So he just marked <laughs> yeah. himself. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, but to your point, though, too, we need more people like that, uh, more giving. People need to – now, I'm not going to talk for everybody, but if everybody just thought about giving to others instead of what they were going to get from others, I think and we'd be we'd be doing pretty good. I feel like what you get in return when you have that mentality far outweighs uh, versus the other way. Like, oh, I'm going to get something back. It's like, no, just give. You never know what's going to come your way if you're just a, a decent person and totally hear yeah. you on that one. Yeah, biggest thing, just be nice. Be nice. <laughs> yeah, and I guess you know Markel. He has. To, he can't be a saint. He has to do something to counterbalance the good, and that's being an Eagles fan. So I guess <laughs> I guess that works. Yeah, I got an excuse though. I'm from right outside of Philly, so I was I was born into the Phillies game, into the Eagles game. I'm gonna just stop myself now. Uh, yeah. The interview's over. To We're be done. fair though, <laughs> I'm just an overall fan of football though. I love just football in general. So yeah, I'll say what. How far, like the way the Eagles turned themselves around after uh, Chip Kelly ruined them says a lot about uh, how much the Cowboys are really sucky right now. So I'll say that much because <laughs> yeah. they've been the same since 1997, and I just I, I don't understand. Every other franchise has been able to turn it around, but the Cowboys are just still, eh. It's it crazy too because they got the pieces, you know. That's the worst part. And it's like, yeah, that's the worst part. They they have the freaking potential but they just have an idiot of an owner that just can't get outside of himself. And I'm moving on. I'm getting heated. Um, <laughs> Kim, when uh, he asks, what are the differences of the dodgeball scenes from Philly to Florida? That was a, that was an interesting question because the craziest thing. So the whole reason why we pretty much moved down to Florida, Matt had a legitimate reason because he was moving for work. Uh, cause he got a, the teaching, he was already teaching up in, um, in Philly, but his contract ran out. So he pretty much made a decision. He was like, me and my wife are just going to move to wherever, uh, he gets a teaching job. So sure enough, Florida, uh, um, hit him up and was like, Hey, uh, if you want, uh, you got a teaching job down here as a uh, PE teacher. So living the dream. 
and we always talked about living in Florida. We just love the beach. So we were like, we just want to live somewhere where you can go to the beach 24 seven, 365 pretty much. So Ray, when he moved down, I told him I was going to, and sure enough, a couple months later, I moved down as well and uh, ended up actually getting a teaching job at his school as well. But um, it had nothing to do with dodgeball. Um, but the scene in the Mid-Atlantic back up um, from where we were living in PA was really good. There's tournaments at least once a month. So we would always be playing at least once, twice a month in serious competition tournaments. So we loved playing. But then when we moved to Florida, there was nothing. So it was kind of crazy. We were like, oh, man, like, how are you going to play dodgeball anymore? But luckily, right when we moved down, um, the Tampa Bay Sky Zone uh, still had um, – um, now I'm drawing a blank. Uh, the Toons uh, – what are they called? Toon Squad? Toon Squad was down there. And then the I think they were called the Story of the Year, but the team that Kim was on and um, the Fatsiger uh, brothers, if you don't know who they are, um, um, they're – going to make some waves uh pretty soon because um they're both really talented uh trey and ryan are, are real good players it's just they haven't gotten the recognition yet right but uh we actually practiced with them every tuesday at sky zone so that was kind of our only dodgeball down there so it kind of sucked because there wasn't we weren't in like tournament mode but at the same time it was good because they're actually really good players so we would just play for two hours against really stud athletes so we didn't really lose too, too much, but we didn't have the variety anymore. So that kind of stuck. But um, we eventually – also Pat O'Donnell, he's another guy who um, really spearheaded, like, everything down there. So he, he went from doing Sky Zone to started renting out uh, a gym where we could just play normal dodgeball. So I got to give him mad props for that, though, too, for organizing all that. But, um, but yeah, that's the biggest difference. Uh, we went from crazy variety – and plenty of tournaments to almost nothing. <laughs> so that was kind of crazy. But I will I'll say this, that was, I'm glad everything happened the way it did because if not, we wouldn't have met uh, Kim and uh, all those guys. And they're all great guys too. I was actually wondering how you guys stayed like sharp or, or competitive because it's, you know, like I said with Brett, still sharp and steel. So, you know, we're fortunate to have, you know, people like Ketchum and Dylan and, uh, all these big names here, even in Arizona, even amongst our rec league. And then we have, we obviously have that on the West coast too, but then you have people that are so remote, but they're still managing to stay competitive. Like how, how do they do it? So yeah, you- like it's like, even back to mixed plate crew, I think they were called in Hawaii. Like it's crazy to like, that blew my mind. Those guys. Yeah. Where you guys, like you have your pocket of just like killers just going at each other the whole time. So that's a great thing for you guys. Cause you're always playing against top competition the whole time. Then you got those guys who are just in Hawaii practicing against each other, which makes sense because you're they're all good players. But how do you get to that level of being that good? You know what I mean? That's what boggled my mind too. I have no idea. I, I think they just had incredible speed, talent, and they had the ability to catch themselves back in when they needed to. And none of us expected them. They just literally came out of left field. I mean, Hawaii. Yeah. Like, these guys that's so, so good? cool like, that's yeah. another dodgeball story that would be so interesting to hear about and just to understand where they came from and it'd just be such a cool story it's like how how did you do that and i wonder if uh 
just give me like a, I don't know, segue to look into one of these days, maybe just to pull one of those guys. Yeah, um, yeah that'd be great. I got to play with Andrew Hong for the 10,000 Phoenix tournament. Um, it was that Phoenix Dodgeball Showdown, I think. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm blanking. But anyways, it was a 10K tournament that we had here in Phoenix that Phoenix Dodgeball hosted and Hong played for us on co-ed and he was, he just fit in perfectly. Like you look at, you know, these towers that I, that I had on my team, Mason, Doug, um, Marcus, and then you had me who was, you know, I'm five eleven, So compared to them, I'm tiny, but then you had yeah. Hong who's definitely smaller, but that guy was just, he just fit in so well. He was catching, he was hitting, he was sacrificing himself. Like, I, I feel like he was definitely the edge that, that we needed, uh, to win. But, um, you're like, how's this guy so good? He like the last time that we know that he played competitive dodgeball against teams like Rise and and Face Check and all them was years ago, like a year ago, two years ago. But uh, yeah, definitely, definitely want to see more teams like that. You know, that we don't know about still coming in, showing up as as a contender, and just learning about their regimen and how do they how do they manage to stick with the teams that have been consistent. But um, wanted to. Uh, Go back to Abdul's question. So Abdul Saeed says, if you can go back in time to any one series you played, UDC, Elite Worlds, even a local tournament, uh, which one would you go back to and want to play differently? And then I'll let you answer before I read Frankie's answer because I guess he answered yeah. for you. <laughs> Fra- Frankie uh, did very well at uh, <laughs> uh, saying already what I was probably going to say. Fair enough. But um, that was also an awesome question too. It's something I probably wouldn't even think of. Um I think my number one though is I think Frankie said was number three because it was for me personally. Um, when we played Dynasty in the last UDC, it was like three on three. I think at the there's like 20 seconds left, a ball gets run rolled across the um, the middle pad, and I just made the dumbest mistake of my life. Like I looked up because they're pump faking, so I looked up as I was reaching for the ball, and the ball's on the other side of the court. So if you grab it, you're out. If mm. people didn't know that. And it was just the most boneheaded play I think I've ever done. And um, that for sure is my number one that I would have changed. <laughs> but um, uh, and nothing against the Dynasty guys. I love the rivalry we kind of grew into. Because right. we would always – it seemed like we would always be playing them in either UDC or Elite. And um, it would go it would go back and forth, but I think towards – the latter years, uh, they were actually started kicking our butt and eliminating us and a lot of stuff. So um, it's always cool to have rival rivalries like that. But that that play by me was the the worst thing I've ever done and the worst I've ever felt. So it's, it's <laughs> that di- was my number one. Yeah, it's different when like it you know if you got out you got out you made a bad call you threw the wrong person they caught you like God knows I've got plenty of those but like stepping over the line or, you know, in your case, grabbing a ball and getting yourself out. Like that's just, that, that's going to weigh on you. <laughs> yeah. Like, that and was that's why we lost too. Like oh, it's sure worse. it's a best of whatever, but in that moment it's a tie game and we ended up losing because of that. So I was like, that sucked. <laughs> well, thanks for bringing that up there, Frankie. He, so he did say number one, that effing Darren Williams tournament national national semis against doom. But I want to add the Darren, Deron Williams, that was the uh, you played against the basketball team, right? If you, yeah. So we, so um, it's either Darren or Deron. I'm not sure how. Um, I think it's, I think it's Deron. Pronounce his name, but um, 
it was up in Brooklyn, so it was like an hour and a half drive. So we're like, this is perfect. And um, there were some West Coast teams even coming out too because uh, it was a pretty big event. But he had some celebrities there too. It was such a cool setup. And it was like one of my favorite tournaments. But I, th- um, I think the, what he's talking about in that tournament was we came in and we, we played pretty well, but then we played against um, – um, I believe it was Danny Ortega's team in the playoffs, and he, him with a, with a uh, no sting ball. It's, I think he's one of the best players with a no sting ball. He's just a beast, and it was cool to have an opportunity to play with him in Sin City uh, two years ago, I believe. Great guy, uh, awesome player, but um, I think it was like a ten on ten uh, uh, tournament, so it was kind of different. But uh, I remember it was kind of back and forth. I think it was. I could be completely wrong, um, but I think it was tied or uh, it was game three or game five, whatever the eliminations were, and we were playing against the clock, and we were just screaming at our one player, but he couldn't hear us the whole time, and he didn't know about the clock, and the clock just runs out with us screaming at him to throw, and it was just the most frustrating tournament ever. Oh, that's the, the prizes were like baller, though. They are like watches and like $100 bottles of – Ciroc, it was like, it was legit prizes. It was cool. Yeah, I played in the uh, the 2011 one in Salt Lake City, and um, we we were like a, a, sh- a smattering of Rampage players and some LA Dodgeball Society guys. So I got to play with uh, Mike Costanza, which is a lot of fun. That guy is such a character, and um, <laughs> we won. And we got um, first of all, we got the opportunity to play against professional basketball players. Like I don't I don't follow basketball at all, but uh, just seeing these giants um and playing against them in, in a game that i'm actually decent at i mean granted basketball they're making millions so like good for them but uh i had a fun yeah. time beating them i really loved watching uh mason shank do his behind the back throw to the delight of the entire basketball team like they were cheering for him for like they, they were just like <laughs> losing their minds they're laughing and clapping like do it again man and he just like i think he got like uh, a couple guys just just straight up in the chest like from behind and he was just having the time of his life and i was like man i would this is what happens when you introduce dodgeball to people that um, aren't used to seeing it. And you can show them the antics, but you can show them some of the talent that people have. And uh, I just remember thinking that was that was definitely gonna be one of the most uh, fun things or things I would have done in the dodgeball yeah. uh, career. But that was those, those were good tournaments, and I, I I'm assuming they're not they don't do those anymore. Like the, the it's called the dodgeball yeah. garage. Yeah, I'm not sure if he does it anymore, but um, I'm glad we got to at least experience it. That just like you said, like it was it was different, but it was awesome. And, um, like, we got to take a photo with uh, uh, Deron Williams, too, and he was just an awesome dude. He was super friendly, yeah. um, and he was, he was real approachable. Yeah, I remember, um, I think it was, it was Kyle's, like, when the term was over with, like, we all left, we were leaving, and I think Kyle had this massive truck, and he was just dishing out, like, shirts that either him or Deron had printed or made. I think they were trying to push, like, their own label. It's really ironic, because I was thinking about that this morning randomly, but... Um, they were, they were just such cool, chill, down to earth guys. I was like, man, um, maybe I paid some of these dodge or basketball players wrong, but uh, it was it was a good, good experience. But um, speaking of good experiences, so Emilio, um, I don't know why I can't say his last name, Veles. I think yeah, I close close enough. Sorry, man. Yeah, I'm not. I think uh, yeah, I think you're good. Yeah. Well, speaking of you know fantastic dodgeball supporters and, and advocates with his comic and just the content that he's always pushing and. He's always like the first one to wish me happy birthday. It's awesome. Like he just sets his alarm to cool. it. It's such a cool like 
uh, yes, Emilio said happy birthday to me. This will be a good birthday. Um, so if you're listening, man, thank you for doing that. But um, he asked, how does it feel to win the gold medal twice? So we kind of picked up on, or we kind of talked about like the the second one. But I mean, just looking back at your career, like if, if this is if you were to stop tomorrow, I mean, how does it feel just knowing you're you're you have two gold medals? Yeah, I think I think I'm one of those people like I'll never be satisfied. Like I never feel like I ever did enough. I think that's a good thing to have um, just as a competitive standpoint. But um, if I were to retire today, I'd be pretty happy with what I've done in my dodgeball career, especially from where I've, where we've come from too. like how I um, said earlier, how like when we first started, I felt like I didn't even belong. I was like, uh, I was like, these guys are really good. I don't know. But um, to where I'm at now, I know I'm kind of, on the downswing, depending though, um, I know we talked about it already. Yeah. Maybe it's a whole focus thing and, and just keeping my body really right for the sport. That's something that, um, uh, I've talked about a lot too, is I always thought I was lazy, but, but I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm lazy. I just don't think I'm disciplined. I think that's what it really comes down to. I don't think I'm disciplined, but uh, anyways, back to the point. Um, uh, I'm very happy. Um, if, if you were to look at uh, uh, my resume, I think it does. It is one of the top ones because um, having two gold medals, I mean, that's, I think that's a big deal. Um, we've never won um, an elite national tournament though. So that's one um, mark I think on my resume that I think still needs to get done. Or if it doesn't get done, I think that kind of goes against me, but uh, we have come close. Uh, I think we got third in 2015 in 8.5, and then we got um, third and second in co-ed no sting. Uh, I think 2017, 2018 could be wrong, <clears throat> could be wrong, but um, we want we're one of the few teams to win UDC, um, and then just um, winning the East a lot too. So uh, I think my resume is pretty good, but um, there's there's always a part of you that's always like, man, I wish I could have done a little bit more. You know what I mean? I like how you put it. Like that's, and that's a good thing because some people could win and they're just like, nah, I'm good. And to each their own. But that's also kind of like, I love that saying from Bane. He's like, Oh, victory has defeated you. It's like, no, if you stay hungry, um, like I, I would prefer that over, um, just being satisfied. But then again, to each their own. Some people are, you know, they've gotten as far as they can go in dodgeball and they've, they've since retired and, hung up their their knee pad so to speak but um <clears throat> i was kind of nervous because i don't want to say nervous but when i was talking to i think dom last year we're kind of doing like a real quick like recap of of worlds and uh even jeff had said that you might be contemplating um retirement i was like he, he's too young like no like that would Wait, my little brother said that i think so I'm, i don't want to call him out uh sorry jeff if i did on accident i think yeah. they just mentioned that you were thinking about it or you're gonna take a break or something was going on where you were just like not Oh, are you saying Jeff said that about me? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought you said, <laughs> you scared me for a second. I thought you meant Jeff said he's going to retire. Oh. I was like, no way. Okay. I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, what did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're good. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about it because, and another thing too, is like not many people go out on top. So I was like, man, it'd be so cool to go out on top. And I don't want to be one of those guys who keeps playing to a point where, I don't think it would happen to me anytime soon, but you see it in a lot of sports where people just keep playing because they love it so much, but they get to a point where 
others will perceive him as like, I want people to look back and be like, all right, he was a good player. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want people to look back and just think about like the end of my career where they're like, eh, <laughs> he was all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a, a nervous laugh on my end there. Um, nah, I get you're that. Still good. Yeah, I get that too. Cause I, you know, I might I immediately go to a Larry Fitzgerald. You're just like, God, that guy had so much potential and he was so close to Super Bowl win. And my God, just please put him on a team where he can get one. That way he can finish on top. Cause you know, he's obviously aging and he's just such a, a good, a good guy. You just, you want to see him win. But then I'm thinking of like, okay, you know, Brady's got six championship rings. Like how much more does he need? Is he going to you know, just kind of taper off with the Buccaneers? Same thing with uh, Gronk. And all these other players, yeah. so it's like, dude, just just quit while you're ahead. But then, you know, Tom could have just said, "Okay, I've got three rings, I'm I'm out." But then he's got three more, so who knows? Yeah, I agree. Real quick, the quick point: Larry Fitzgerald is one of the one of my favorite athletes, probably of all time, just because of how he carries himself and just how much of a study is too. Yeah. But uh, I agree with exactly what you said, though. Too, it's like, where when do you call it quits and have and quit at the perfect time. You know what I mean? So that's what kind of was going through my head at that point. I was like, man, we're on top. We're on the top of the world. Like leaving on top, like barely anybody does that. But typically, if you love a sport, you play it until you get to a point where people's perception of you almost changes. Like for instance, like um, Brett Favre was one of them where it's like, dude, just retire. Stop already. <laughs> so, but um, I don't want to be like that, but I still feel like, I got a little bit left to give. So it's just something I, I was thinking about, but I think the fire's still there. So I think I'm still going to play. Sounds like it. And uh, Austin Deeks, he, he showed up on the on the, the stream chat and he said, you heard it here first. She was contemplating retirement. False. Uh, he's not. So <laughs> we're just going to dispel that right now. I had my first conversation with him. I think um, like real conversation with him uh, in Austin. He's, he's, uh, he's a cool dude. Yeah, he is. I've, I've got a, a dad joke lined up, locked and ready. Um, I, he sent it to me before this interview, so I haven't even I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. So this will be a first, you know, pure reading of the dad joke. But I, I love that he's supplying that, and his presence on Facebook is, is hilarious. And Austin, if I met you in person, I'm sorry, man, I don't remember, but I'm looking forward to interacting with you in person the next chance I get for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, we did get one last question from Lucas, which is awesome, and this is probably gonna answer some of my follow-on questions so lucas says true champion uh tell us about your journey in the 2019 world dodgeball championships and what it was like being injured and still finding ways to stay involved and support your teammates so we kind of danced around some of that but um let's go back there well before i get, even get into that though um i want to say to lucas too just getting to know him even more because we've talked beforehand at previous tournaments and stuff like that and even uh, before, um, I guess the selections and stuff, but if I'm, I'm sure the dodgeball community already knows, but he's one of the most genuine dudes like ever, like you get to a point where you're like, can someone be too nice? You know what I mean? And he's just the nicest person. Yeah. Another type of person I was telling you about where he's just, he's, he gives, 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 he doesn't really receive. And he's just an awesome guy, but on top of it, he was just, the best coach too. It was like him and Brett, just the way they handled the team. They weren't stepping on anybody's toes, but they, but they just were the perfect coaches. The way they 
calculated everything during um, 2019 run was just insane. Like I, I, I was blown away by our whole process. But um, to his point, um, just being, again, just being injured, like it was the weirdest. It was the weirdest tournament for me personally, but as a team, it was one of the most exciting just because I knew I couldn't really play to my best of my ability. Um, I tried throwing, but uh, every time I threw it, like hurt more and more. So it got to a point where I was like, I can't even throw anymore. Because at first you get the adrenaline dump and you can feel it, but your adrenaline's going, you hear everybody cheering on the sidelines. So I'm like, I'm going to keep going, keep going, keep going. But I got to a point where I was just like, I can't even throw anymore. But uh, um, it was cool. I, was, I wasn't going to be that guy who was just going to sulk the whole time and make everybody else feel bad. Right. So I kind of just kept it to myself um, and just made sure I was positive to everybody else. I was trying to be like everybody's hype, man. Like I remember going up to – a couple of the players and just trying to hype them up the whole time. Like, um, uh, Dylan, Dylan's like one of my favorite guys in dodgeball. So the one game against Malaysia where he went off, I remember just going up to him and being like, you're, you're the effing man. <laughs> like, like <laughs> you're going to, you're going to bring us back, do it, blah, 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 blah. Just trying to like hype everybody up. But, um, that's like one of the moments that comes off the top of my head. But, um, obviously hyping up, um, being super proud of Jeff too. But every time someone made a play, like I tried to be as loud as I could and hopefully they could hear me being supportive. And um, my biggest thing too, I think one of the reasons why I've been on the team so much too, is I know my place. Like there's so many, you can only have so many, I call it like chiefs and Indians. So you can only have so many chiefs, but you need some Indians there too. So what I mean by that is I'm one of those players where if you need me to play corner, I'll play corner. But if you look at our, our team that we had going into it, like I'm not an idiot. I'm going to be like, all right, I'm not going to play corner because all these guys are amazing. So I know where I'm going to play. Just tell me what I need to do to help the team. If I have to be the guy who does the opening rush, toss the ball and get hit every time, I'll be that guy. Because I don't care about in a, in a tournament like that, it doesn't matter about me. It matters about the team. So whatever I can do to, to make the team win, that's all I care about. And I think a lot of people have that mentality too, but I think I've shown that to a lot of the players already where I think, I think they respect it. So, and I appreciate that because um, it's just me being honest. Like I know where I stand, like I'm pretty, I'm pretty good with um, knowing where I stand like now. And knowing that, yes, I am a good player, but I don't have an ego. So, I don't. So like, if they're like, hey, we need you to sit out for this whole match, I'll be like, yeah, no problem. That's that's fine. Of course, I want to play, but um, I'm not going to argue with our coach. You know what I mean? Yeah, you see the bigger picture, you're bought in. You're there for your teammates, not for yourself. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's definitely the way to be. And the too many Chiefs, no, um, no Indians, uh, it's like, too many cooks in the kitchen. I mean, there's the expression is basically you got a lot of hot shots. Like we need followers. We need soldiers. We need people that are actually going to do the work versus everyone's great idea of how this should be done or, or all the egos. And that, that was probably one of the most refreshing things that I've heard so far. Every time I've interviewed somebody from team USA is they, they just check their ego out the door. I feel like, yeah, it was, it was cool to see. Yeah. 
I feel like you, you already made Team USA. You've got nothing to prove other than to win as a team. And the, the fact that uh, Brittany and Kelly em- emphasize that, um, uh, Brett and Lucas got that on board. Like it, obviously, the results are cold medals. So um, it's a, it's the mentality. I feel like you have to have. It's not so much great to have anymore. It's it's a necessity if you're gonna if you're gonna win, especially with the lineups that <laughs> Team USA has produced. Like my God, like you want you want to talk about like just depth, like like talent level is just insane. So. Yeah. Another quick point too. It's so crazy too. Everybody knows Mikey's one of the best players in the world, but to see him during this world tournament was like, it was another, like just such a cool, like, and I'm not even like his like mentor or anything like that, but I still felt like a proud Papa, just the, how we saw him in UDC the first year where he was just little Mikey. And now like, he was running our like warmups and he's just barking at everybody like, Hey, we need to do this. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, my man's like a born leader. So it was so cool to see him come to come into his own as a leader. I felt like during that tournament and, um, and obviously him playing wise to making the most ridiculous catch I've ever seen for, <laughs> for that specific time. That, that situational catch was just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But not yeah. just that, though, too. Just how he played overall the whole tournament. He's He is a freak of nature, and um, he should be proud of that because that's – I mean, the way he moves is, is insane. Yeah, he's he's an incredible player, and uh, I would hope that he's just getting started. We're going to see another five or six years out of him, and he's just going to come that much um, – come to his own that much more. Yeah. yeah. And the thing, the thing I saw though, too, is he, he really takes care of his body though, too. So I think he's going to be good for a while. And, um, I wish nothing but the best for him too. I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be one of the best players of all time, I think, because he's just one, he's got the age factor where he started so young Two, um, he's already won huge things. And then three, um, the way he takes care of himself too. I think he's just going to be a stud for a very, very long time. That's scary for uh, a lot of other teams. <laughs> so. Yep, to the detriment of other teams, but at the same time, to the the good of all dodgeball. Like we need, we need more of that. Um, we think yeah. of the dodgeball player. Um, the whole youth movement, though, too. Like I love like watching the youth movement. Pretty much like um, Eli is another guy too, where it's like, holy smokes, he's going to be good forever too, because he's. I don't even know how old he is right now, but he he has seriously years and years and years to still just be even more amazing than he already is too. So it's just the the future is bright when it comes to dodgeball because we have some superstars that are young already. So uh, it's gonna be so interesting to watch. So speaking of the future, I mean, what is what does life look like after dodgeball for you? Dare I dare I go there? We can't talk no, about this. Can. That's fine. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit <laughs> offline and. You know, just like, what, what are you thinking? Um, so that's the one thing that's like, I'm like, man, like, what what do I do? Because, uh, like I said before, like, I kind of just go with the wind, <laughs> kind of <laughs> going with the, just riding the wave of life. Uh, I never really had a plan. Um, but I kind of had a curveball, though, too, in my personal life where I became a teacher. And um, so before I even get into that, too. So I never went to school to be a teacher, but in Florida, there's ways you can become a teacher where you can kind of go like do the runaround to become a teacher. 
And it's kind of proved my point in my life where I was like, if I really want to do something, I can do it as long as I put my mind to it. So one career I always wanted to do was be a teacher. But when I graduated college, I had a sports management degree and I was like working warehouse jobs. So I was like, man, I'm actually not doing anything with my career really. So sure enough, when I moved down to Florida, this opportunity came up and I just busted my butt to become a teacher, loved it. And I just was going to live the rest of my life being a teacher. But um, uh, sure enough, I met my girlfriend. She's a travel nurse and uh, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I think if I didn't go with her, I would regret it for the rest of my life. So just living a life of traveling every three months to a different state and hopefully seeing for instance, like if we're in your area, that'd be cool to grab beers with you, play dodgeball against you for three months, and then go go to the next state, and hopefully, hopefully there's dodgeball players there. So that's a life I want to live for for a while. Obviously, it's up to her too, right. but um, I think that would be a lot of people's dreams to just be able to travel. Um, on top of that, though, too, uh, something that people don't really know about me is. Uh, when I was like in seventh grade, I was terrible in school, but when I was in seventh grade, I legit, and I'm not even kidding, <laughs> I wrote a book and it was like 600 pages and I did it all through seventh grade and all, all through eighth grade because it took me a while because I'd get in trouble a lot because uh, my uh, teachers would find out that I wasn't paying attention. But um, it was, it ended up being like almost like Lord of the Rings. So I definitely have to change it. <laughs> But uh, it's something I want to look back on and actually rewrite and make it like an actual book instead of like a seventh grader's book. So um, that's something I'm super interested in is doing that. And then also um, um, we were talking about it too, is I actually kind of want to start my own podcast as well. And um, I know we've been talking back and forth about it and you're, you've been gracious enough to help me out and uh, I want to keep it under your umbrella as well too but um it'll pretty much be like a dodgeball podcast as well um how we were talking about but i kind of i don't want to throw in like my personal interests too like i'm i'm a huge sports guy so we'll talk about uh, other sports um we'll talk about music we'll talk about mma we'll talk about just life um travel things like that so um and that's something that i can thank you for too because um uh, you kind of gave me the idea. I always kind of had the idea when I first started watching. Uh, I'm a huge Joe Rogan um, fan, and uh, he has his podcast. So when he came out with his podcast, I was kind of interested in always doing podcasts. But then when I saw when you did it and then how successful you came from where you started to where you are now, it just gave me hope, too. I was like, man, like I think I could, I could do a podcast. And even if I had, like, I don't know, like 20 people that would continually like watch my videos. That's good enough for me. You know what I mean? But um, it'd be interesting to just dabble in that too, instead of just athletics. Cause athletics has been my whole life. So I kind of want to do other stuff too, but I will, obviously I want to still stay in shape too. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to get out of shape. That'd be, that'd be scary. It's a scary thought. <laughs> no, that's a, it's a very haunting thought to, uh, to think myself yeah. of not being healthy. <laughs> I mean, COVID's kind of slowed me down just a little bit, but I know like at the end of the day, I'm going to pick it back up soon. Uh, I don't want to get to that point where it's past the point of no return. Yeah. Yeah. I, hey, I feel you. And where I live right now too. And uh, so um, my girlfriend already started her trap, her first assignment 
in Virginia. We got this really nice house just in the middle of nowhere, but it's off a highway, so there's nowhere to run. So cardio is an issue right now. <laughs> I mean, his brain's easy enough to do already as it is. Like you don't need more excuses not to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so uh, I've been doing a lot of like body weight workout circuit training type things. So, and we've been hiking a lot too. So if anybody's nice. ever in called the Shenandoah Valley. If anybody ever goes out there, there's some really cool hiking spots there. So Nice, man. Well, that, that sounds awesome. And I mean, first of all, thank you for even acknowledging uh, any help that it might have done or been uh, for you. It's it, Maybe this is where I have to edit away from the live stream because it's just like uh, I wasn't expecting to hear that. So I'm kind of caught off guard in a, in a good way. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty probably blushing right now if you see me on, on the video. But uh, well, no, I appreciate it because because um, you have helped me and uh, you kind of inspired me too. too. And then on top of that, um, how we we're talking though as well, you were like, anytime you need help um, with it, anything, I'm willing to help out. And another thing I appreciate about that too is people can take that a certain way too. So say if like I was like, oh, I want to start a podcast too, you weren't like like felt like I was stepping on your toes or anything. Like you were just supportive, and I appreciate that because my whole thing is. I don't want to step on your toes. Like I just want to do one to help build already your brand, but then on top of it to help you branch out as well too. So it's cool to see your whole mentality and the way you've been supportive too. So it's pretty cool. Well, thanks man. And yeah, I was just kind of thinking too, like it, it could even start as part, like an extension of the dodgeball podcast, but I imagine it, sooner than later, it's going to take off on its own and, anything I can do to help that out. Um, just absolutely, man. It's, it's really cool and refreshing again to see other content. Uh, I don't know, like entities. I kind of, I don't want to say botch this with Brad, but just seeing other people do stuff like the Dodgeball Tribune. I really hope that comes back. Um, how, how awesome Bala's been doing and just like the sport needs that. And like, I think at some point, and this all started honestly with, with the elite, like the NDL wasn't fulfilling the Dodgeball players needs. So, the dodgeball players took it upon themselves to bring the dodgeball that they wanted to see. And, you know, after waiting, I don't want to say like waiting, but just after noticing like, okay, we got to do this ourselves. If we want to put dodgeball in a, in a different light, then we need to be that change. Um, and, and that's what I really get excited about is because um, I might learn a lot from you as you go and, and progress. And um, it's cool just seeing that there's other people like Miles and Brett kind of going through the same, I don't want to say like pains, but just, they're doing it too. Like they're, they're in the fight now and it's, it's, it's just cool. So, um, I kind of got on a, on a tangent there, but, um, I'm excited. That's, that's right. Cause you were saying that you were going to travel and that's probably like the coolest part too, is like, if you have the opportunity to travel and play in other, other leagues for a couple months, like I'm, I'm already envious of you if you get to do that. So you kind of have to at this point, like there's, there's no going back. And I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, and it's just one of those things like I want to live a crazy life. I don't want to I don't want to live like the normal um and this is no disrespect to anybody because if you live the normal life you're living a good life, you know what I mean? But like I always wanted to have like a crazy life. Like I always imagined myself being oh he's doing he's off doing something crazy again. But it's just I the way I think of my life is like a book. There's different chapters in my life. When I look back on it when I'm about to die, I want to just be like Yep, I did everything I, I could possibly do. So, um, and I challenge other people to do that too, if, if they can do that. Because I know a lot of people come from places where they can't do it. And I, I grew up in a pretty 
humble beginning too. But um, uh, again, with my parents, um, very thankful for them too because they challenged me. They're like, we want you to travel because we never could. So um, it's cool to see like they're almost like living through me when I go go on these trips and stuff. They're always commenting me and like, oh, that's so cool. I'm glad you're doing this. Blah 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 blah. But um. But yeah, if I never did this, I think I would regret it for the rest of my life. So that's why I'm pulling the trigger on it. And um, and yeah, not not looking back. I'm not being afraid to tr- uh, change. So um, I appreciate um, uh, you supporting it too. And um, yeah, we'll see how things go. Definitely. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a bet. They're gonna go really well. And uh, and Deeks is all. If you don't call it Drew and Crew, I will be disappointed. So he's already thinking names for you. So it's already taking a life. Drew, Drew and Crew. <laughs> yep, Drew and Crew. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> then you also uh, just now he's like Mr. Country Ride over here playing in leagues across the U.S. Yeah, if you pull that off, dude, I'll be very very happy for you, but also very jealous and just try to figure out how I can do it myself. But um, I guess we can kind of speaking to Deke since he's kind of the the subject at hand. All of a sudden, let's go ahead and read his um, his dad joke. So, right. oh god, <laughs> so, what does a robot do at the end of a one night stand? What does a robot do at the end of a one night stand? Yes. Um, is it really dirty? <laughs> I kind of wish I didn't just throw myself into this. Uh, he nuts and bolts. Because <laughs> <laughs> I. Uh... I don't know. Yeah, he uh, he nuts and bolts. So <laughs> I, I think I could still clean. I, I, oh, that's clean. awesome. <laughs> I think I could still keep the clean rating if I let that go. Um, we'll see. If I lost yeah, my clean label because you Austin, that's my fault. But yeah. Oh man, it that's clever. actually it wasn't like just yeah, it was pretty dirty. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually is that a dad joke or is that like a stepdad joke? Stepdad trying to be cool with his teen teenage son and just freaked him out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like that creepy stepdad. <laughs> Here we go. All right. We might edit that one out. I don't know. I might have to segment that into a separate <laughs> <laughs> just because that wasn't the the true he's laughing. Dang it, Deeks. <laughs> All right, here here's the retake. Um what beef only comes in two, three, five, seven, and eleven ounces? Um I don't know. I'm I'm a pretty stupid guy. <laughs> Prime rib. <laughs> so ah, there we go. That Redemption. Makes me look like you're more of an idiot because I'm a math teacher. <laughs> I I wouldn't have got that. I'd be like, just just tell me the punchline, dude. I, I have no idea. But uh, <laughs> dang it, uh, those are good. Um, we'll call the uh, the robot one an uncle joke. Maybe we'll use that for like the late night one. But uh, yeah, prime rib, man. Thanks, Austin. <laughs> As always. Um, well, shoot, man. Well, that was. Well, that was- that was pretty quick, uh, almost two hours, but um, yeah, I kind of like how this went because it, I do have the go-to questions in case like the conversation, heaven forbid, ever runs dry, and I don't feel like that's ever going to be the case uh, talking to you. Even when we talked uh, offline last, with two weeks ago, it was like, what, a 20, 30-minute conversation that was just like, probably should have recorded that one because that was, that was kind of cool, just kind of getting a, a feel for where you're at, but um, I do want to... So I don't think we really covered it officially yet, but uh, to date, do you have like a favorite dodgeball memory? Like just one that you're going to just kind of keep forever. Like the first one that comes to mind to you. Favorite dodgeball memory? Yep. Yeah. Um, I think, well, there's a couple. Well, obviously winning, winning gold with everybody was, was 
the best feeling ever. Um, just seeing how happy the whole team was and being able to be like, we're world champions is, is something that I always have close to my heart, but something personal, um, has to be UDC. We were, um, I think at the, at this point it was two to one shooters. This is when we won, um, UDC in 2015, uh, shooters were beating us two one. I was by myself. And it was um, one of the Leche brothers, and I forget who else was in. But I hit the one, I hit the one guy who I forget who it was. And then the whole crowd started going crazy, and they're like um, banging on like. So the whole setup with the UDC when it was in Vegas was the crowd. There's like a over, I guess like. A, what would you call that? Like an overlook, I guess. And there's um, where people could crowd around the court from above. So of course, during the championship, it's flooded with people. But when I hit them, everybody started going nuts. So it was like a one-on-one. We're about to get eliminated if we don't win the game. And I ran at Lecce, threw my ball, didn't even look. I just hit the deck, and it somehow hit him. His ball went over me. But just the reaction of the crowd and uh, – my team coming in. I'll never forget that. That was the most pumped I've ever been um, playing. But um, but then go, going into game five, the final game, uh, the whole crowd was like, this is awesome. So it was like, that's cool. We almost had the whole crowd. So it was really cool to, to have that experience. So that was my personal one. Um, but as a team, um, all the big wins with uh, Team Awesome, obviously, because uh, um, winning with them is will always be a huge thing, but also the team USA wins for a different level of joy. That's awesome, man. I, was that game filmed by chance? The one where you had the, uh, that hit and, and uh, the UDC one. Yeah. So, um, I'll try and send it to you. Cause, uh, I'm actually a little bit of a nerd when it comes to that. Sometimes I'll, I'll go back and watch it when I'm like drinking <laughs> and just be like super excited. I mean, that's honestly, dude, that's the whole reason why I started this podcast again was I just, I paint this picture of myself, you know, cracking open a beer with my dog on my cabin porch and just listening to all these people that I got to interact with. So like, there's nothing nerdy about watching videos of yourself at all. Um, yeah. That's why you do it. But I mean, dude, you will though. You will. Uh, and you'll appreciate it though too. Cause like I still, it's so crazy. Like I still get like an adrenaline dump when I watch it because like it's just such a problem in my life that I'm like. Man, it's so cool to like recapture some of that emotion. And so I think you'll I think you'll appreciate it as well too. So um uh that's cool. That's cool to hear. For sure. Awesome, man. Well, um I think that's all I have. I mean, I at least for now. I mean, I, I imagine we'll probably have you on um more often than not. And I'm really excited to see what you come up with with, with your uh with your podcast, whether or not you call it Drew and Crew or if you're a guest host or whichever way it, it shapes up, because I'm sure it will. Um, but um, it's great talking to you. And I, at the, at the, at the risk of going into like another hour, which I easily could do, I think what we'll do is uh, go ahead and end the interview there. All right. So that was my interview with uh, Drew Gio and Drew. Thank you so much, man, for being willing to hop on and being willing to be pretty much my, my guinea pig, but also being there from, from day one, like to, to go back as much as I don't want to, and listen to our first interview when we had the, the dodgeball podcast with Brett and Steve. Um, 
to now to four four and a half years later and we're playing with live streaming we've have had the opportunity to have uh guest hosts and we've been able to expand our reach to you know europe and and plans to do more than that um it's incredible and i i cannot again thank the dodgeball community enough for their supports um it was really cool seeing uh deeks and and catch him show up on the live stream and just kind of introducing a new element to this podcast because uh this thing has taken such a life on its own it's uh it's enough to keep up with to not uh get in its way so if you have feedback on how the stream went if you listened to it or if you thought it was distracting or if you have uh suggestions on how to take the long formats into digestible chunks such as hunter's suggestion to doing segments um i'm all ears um again this was uh one of the the rules that i'm slowly starting to violate too by having repeat guests. And so um, at this point, anyone's fair game. So if you're just interested in talking dodgeball with me for a couple hours um, or want to cover a specific subject, let me know. Um, that all being said, um, I think I'll just leave it at that. So have a great uh, rest of your evening, a great rest of your week, a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. All right, so that was my interview with uh, Drew Geo and Drew. Thank you so much, man, for for being flexible and being willing to be my guinea pig while I experimented with uh, live streaming. It's it's something that I've been wanting to do and threatening to do for months now. And uh, huge kudos to Sergio Leon for being, uh, I guess, my initial uh, test test subject or earlier this afternoon to be able to pull this off. And huge thank you to those of you that that creeped in on on this. And um, I think I'm still alive. Holy <laughs> <laughs> oh god.